I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Hey folks, thanks for being here. Do appreciate you taking time out of your day. I am the aforementioned Dr. Joe Esposito. And we're talking today about food addictions. And what happens is certain foods, when they get into your body, stimulate the release of certain chemicals in your brain and you get high. And that's what any addiction is. Any addiction is you're, you're doing things that adversely affect your health. And I don't know of any addiction that isn't based on the fact that you're getting high. And so you may think about heroin and cocaine and how awful that is and how people that do that are just evil. And how could you sacrifice your entire life and your career and your business and your family because you want to do cocaine? had a patient, a friend of mine actually is a dentist and he was telling me the story of his wife. She started taking uh, opioids for back pain. He said, God, I wish I knew you then, Joe. I would have sent her to you. And she started taking opioids and the doctors finally said, okay, we can't give you any more opioids. You're, you, this is it. We're cutting you off. And she started doing heroin. She went out on the street and bought heroin. And he says, I try, and this is a wealthy man, you know, high, high, well-to-do family, high, higher uh, socioeconomic class. And he said she'd go out on the streets and buy heroin. And he put her in a rehab center and he, she came out and eventually she died. And I wasn't expecting that ending of the story. I was expecting she got better and it was an amazing story about Bob. He said, and then she died. He says, and I miss her. He says, but I know what the addiction can do. So it wasn't like this girl was, you know, living in the streets and just shooting up heroin. She was well-to-do. But once you get addicted, you think, well, just one more hit, one more line, one more toke, one more drink, and then it becomes a problem. And I've had patients already, and I had a friend of mine, a, a, a girlfriend, a friend that was a girl, and she was an alcoholic when she finally realized, I said, what made you come to your senses? Beautiful girl. This girl was stunning. She said, I woke up in a bathtub naked in a hotel with the bathtub overflowing, and I don't know how I got there. And she said, I knew it was time I hit rock bottom. But she would tell me story after story of, oh my gosh, how did you, you, you got everything. You're beautiful. You got a great job. She had a good job. She lost it. And she would tell me story after story of things that she remembered vaguely what happened. And some of them I can't talk about on the radio. And so once that alcohol or drug gets into the system, it's pretty bad. But what about the sugar? What about the coffee? What about the dyes and chemicals in the food? You may not be doing things that you're going to regret for the rest of your life, but they do keep you hooked. And that's what works. So food allergies are similar because they release the chemicals in the brain, claim about 100 to 200 people a year, but send about 30,000 people to the emergency room in the United States. The fa in fact, that's doubled in the past 15 years. There's lots of theories as to why allergies have really increased. Because when I was a kid, I didn't realize I had reactions. And now maybe we're diagnosing it better because that's some of the things that happens too. When you read the research and you're finding out that more people have a condition. Well, it could be that we're clumping more people into the same group. Oh, okay. Well, that increases the numbers then. But let's say, take autism, for example. When I was a kid, a long time ago, when I was a child, it was about one in 6,000 people had autism. Now, the newest study just out a couple of weeks ago, one in 35 children born today are going to be autistic. You think that's a problem? I do. 
You think anything's being done about it? Not that I know of. And we see so many correlations to autism. We know that if we take somebody who is autistic and put them on a wheat-free, gluten-free diet, a wheat-free, gluten-free, dairy-free diet, I'm sorry, because gluten comes in wheat, barley, and rye, we see dramatic improvements. The studies are out there, folks. I can quote them if you wanted me to, but you could look them up yourself. So wheat, so dairy and gluten-free and autistic children. We see that many times autistic children have extremely high mercury levels in their body. And the mercury, to keep it really simple, is like throwing a wrench into an electrical system. It short circuits everything. In my office, our offices, we do a hair analysis. We take a little sample of hair, very simple, painless, and we send it out to the lab to see if you have high levels of heavy metals. And if you do, sometimes we can do diet. So we work with some medical doctors uh, who can do something called chelation therapy, where we inject things like EDTA and other things into your veins to chelate out the heavy metals. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that you really need to do because some people can be exposed to mercury and it just comes out of their system. Some people don't. And we don't know what's going to happen with that mercury exposure until you're exposed to it. And that's where the problems come in. And even certain drugs contain mercury. Fish contain mercury. So why would you take the risk of putting something in your body that might cause some real serious neurological damage when there's hundreds of other or thousands of others, other options to eat? Like shellfish. Oh my gosh. When Moses wrote Leviticus, I don't know when Moses wrote Leviticus, but it was a long time ago, 3,000 years ago maybe. When Moses wrote Leviticus, the Old Testament, the Torah, he clearly said, don't eat shellfish. And in certain religions, you can get killed. They can kill you if you eat shellfish because you're breaking the, the, the religious guidelines. Or pork. Can't eat pork either. Why? Because these are dirty animals. Now, shellfish 3,000 years ago was a whole lot cleaner than it is today. Shellfish are filters. They live on the bottom and they filter out the waste products. And, and what settles to the bottom? Heavy metals like, oh, I don't know, mercury, lead, cadmium. And so you're eating these concentrated forms of toxic chemicals every time you do this. And the problem with heavy metals is they're cumulative. They build up over time. So they can be short-circuiting your nervous system. But I digress. We were talking about why food allergies become worse recently. Well, a lot of it has to do with more pollutants, more toxins, more mercury in the air. But also we're doing a lot of processing of our foods. And we're doing something called genetic engineering or GMO, genetically modified organisms. And GMOs are not good for us. And they've been around long enough now that we have long-term studies that are clearly showing that GMOs have very adverse effects on a lot of people and animals. In fact, there are some farmers that have reported that they started feeding their animals GMO corn or GMO uh, soy, genetically modified organism corn or soy, and they're having trouble making babies. Big problem with GMOs and infertility. And the, doctor, the farmers had to take them off that, put them on organic foods or non-GMO foods, and luckily a lot of that was reversed. Well, guess what? It looks like that's happening in humans too. So now we got a problem there. Folks, you want to make babies? You want to practice making babies? It could be being adversely affected by genetically modified food. Corn and soy being the two biggies that are genetically modified. Now we have genetically modified salmon. I was in a store the other day and they were giving out free samples. This salmon was huge. I'm going to guess two and a half feet. I'm putting my arms out for how big it was. Maybe two and a half, three feet. 
And I said to the la- I said to the person I was with and the lady doing the demonstration, I said, now that is a genetically modified salmon. They don't get that big in nature. And the lady doing the demo leaned over. She goes, you're absolutely right. And I said, wow. She goes, I even hate giving this stuff to people because we don't know what it's going to do to them, but it's my job. And I thought, well, you can get another job. But genetically modified salmon. So here's a concern, and I'm going to digress again, is this generation may be the last generation ever to eat real salmon. Because they promise that these genetically modified salmon are being raised in pens that are uh, not access, not accessible to the to, to public waters, you know, to the ocean. But so, sooner or later, some of these salmon are going to escape. And they're very aggressive. They'll mate with the regular salmon, and they're also cannibals. They will kill the other salmon. So if their genetics get into the salmon pool, so to speak, I'm very concerned. So uh, these foods are causing a lot more reactions because they're new proteins. They're proteins we as humans have never been exposed to. So some of the most allergic foods, pasteurized milk, soy, peanuts, wheat. Wheat, another problem we have, a lot of the wheat is being sprayed with round, with a chemical that will kill weeds. And so when you spray this chemical, it's called glyphosate, when we spray it on the food, it kills the, the plant. Now, why do we spray it on wheat? It kills the wheat so that it's easier to harvest. Once the, the stalk is dead, it's easier to cut down. So we're cutting down the stalks because they've been sprayed with this glyphosate, this, this weed killer, and that weed killer is now getting into the wheat and you're eating the wheat. And a lot of people are having reactions to that. So when that happens, you start releasing a histamine. Histamine causes swelling, runny nose, but again, you're releasing endorphins, which are painkillers. So you don't may not realize that, gosh, when I eat wheat, my nose is running. I just always have a runny nose, never correlating it with the fact that you always eat wheat or you always eat dairy products and it's releasing endorphins. So you see wheat and you go, hmm, I like wheat. I like wheat. I'm not lying to you. I like, I'm Italian. I love wheat. But when you, you're releasing these chemicals into the brain, you keep eating the food that's making you sick. And so there's your food addiction. I tell this story often, and you may have heard it if you listen to the show, that I went up to New York one day and I was visiting some friends and I had a bagel and it was a vegan bagel and I love bagels because everyone loves bagels and New York bagels, if you never had one, is amazing and this one had just come out of the oven and it was scrumptilicious and I ate it and had some vegan butter on it and it was just heavenly. Next day, I was in a store and I thought, I should buy some more bread. I like bread. I should buy some bread. You know, I should get some sweets. I should get some vegan desserts. And then it hit me. I stimulated those pleasure centers in my brain with that bagel. And now my logic was out the window. I don't eat a lot of bread. Hardly eat ever bread at all. Bread at all. But here I was thinking I should eat more bread. I should eat some desserts. I don't eat desserts. And so what was happening was I was I got high from that bagel and I wanted more. And so many times you just don't stop. And that's where the problem is. So we talked about the rotation diet. Uh, if you didn't listen to that, if you're just tuning in, uh, what you can do is take all the bad foods out of your diet, alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, artificial sweetener, leave them out for about a week or two and reintroduce them one at a time. See how you feel. If you don't feel good, don't eat it. Another trick you can do, take your pulse. And I say this again because some people just tune in. I understand radio is, is we have our, our, our audiences are fluid. They go back and forth. Sit down for 10 minutes, uh, just a few minutes, calm down, maybe two or three minutes, take your pulse. Find out what your pulse is after 60 seconds. Expose yourself to the thing that might be causing the reaction, the wheat, the dairy, the perfume, uh, cell phones, works for cell phones too. 
and expose yourself to it. And if you if, then take your pulse again, if it goes up about three to five beats or more a minute, you're having a reaction to whatever you just expose yourself to. Ain't that cool? So it doesn't seem to be a single accepted mode of diagnosing food allergens. There's a lot of different ways of food allergies. Some of the studies reviewed show, show self-reports. You know what? I did the rotation diet. I took weed out. I put it back in. I didn't feel good. Okay, I'll buy that. That's a good way to do it because that's you. Others use a skin prick test. Others use blood work to measure their immunoglobulin, their IgEs it's called. Uh, that's an antibody that's produced in an allergic reaction. Very few studies use food challenges, which is a clinical test where a patient is exposed to the suspected food and monitored for allergic reactions. Now, the problem with that one is, is what we just talked about, it's expensive. But it should be done and you can do this yourself. Now, is you going to become part of a study? Probably not because that has to be all monitored and everything. But you know, I don't feel good when I do this. Well, then don't do it. I stopped drinking alcohol when I was 28 years old. Not that I ever drank a lot. I never liked alcohol. I remember in high school going to football parties and uh, we had a real good football team. So we'd have a lot of parties. And then back then it wasn't a strict, you know, somebody's have a keg at the house and the parents be, ah, I invite the team over and you're too young to drink. And we did anyway. And I remember standing at parties many times with a glass of glass of beer. And if it was outside, I dumped the beer out and get another one to make it look like I was being cool because I was drinking. I don't know how much beer I wasted, but I just never liked the way I felt. And then one day I was on vacation in Anguilla, which is a beautiful island in the Caribbean. And they sent a bottle of champagne to, to our room. We had a beautiful villa overlooking the ocean with waves crashing at, at the rocks. And I had a glass of champagne. I was about 28 years old. And I felt awful the rest of that day and half the next day. And I thought, why am I doing this? I don't like it. And that's when I stopped drinking. And again, I never drank a lot. I just didn't do it. And I'm glad I stopped drinking because it's not good for you. So the problem with allergies, again, is lack of diagnostic uniformity. And it's unclear whether the food allergy prevalence is actually increasing, but I would say that it is because I've been in practice. I talk to my patients and I see things I didn't see 33 years ago when I first started this little game here. So I think it's getting worse and chances are you would too. Other research shows that people with purported food allergens, such as rashes and stomach aches, tested positive for food allergies via the skin prick or the IgE test have a less than 50% chance of having the food allergy which leads to unnecessary dietary restrictions. They eat it, they're not having the food allergy, they're having the food sensitivity. And so you get the test done and you say, no, you know what, Bob, you're perfectly fine. Your test came back negative for dairy products. Okay, well then I'll eat more dairy products. Not, and you're eating it going, I feel awful, but doctor, whoever said that I'm not allergic to it. It's a food sensitivity, not a food allergen or food intolerance, I should say too. So the food challenges really are the gold standard and you can do that yourself. Another problem that I find with people that have food sensitivities is digestion. They're not breaking their proteins down properly. And what an allergy is, is a protein gets into the blood. It's a foreign protein. The body attacks it, and then you have the allergic reaction. And that could be because you're not digesting your proteins properly. Now, folks, if you want to come see us, we're going to talk about that digestion issue in just a second. Go to my website, drjoesposito.com. Make an appointment. We have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. We're chiropractors. My team of doctors, there's six of us. We want to get to the cause of your problem, not just treat the symptoms. I'm not saying come off your medication. I'm saying let's get you well so that you can come off your medication. Make sense? 
So if you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, acid reflux, heartburn, car accidents, if you've ever been in a car accident, if the car was damaged, you were damaged. And so many times people go to the doctors that are not really treating the patient, but trying to run up the bills. And then the patients will come to us and say, well, Dr. Joe, I've been in three accidents, went to three different doctors. They never did anything that you're doing here. It's just it's the way they run their practice. I want to do a thorough evaluation on the bones. There's 206 bones in the body. Find out if they're out of place. Put them back in place. Check your digestive system. We want to be your doctors. So if you have neck pain, back pain, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, we accept people with uh, insure all insurances, no insurances, car accidents, sports injuries. We don't. We, we're not prejudiced. We love everybody here equally. So if you want to make an appointment right now, go to the website, drjoesposito.com, and we'll set you up. Or you can call us if you have questions, and we'll get that set up as soon as possible. Stop suffering needlessly. Every day, patients come into our office and say, Dr. Joe, why didn't I do this sooner? And my answer is, I don't know. So stop it. And you're going to be miserable. And, and you could be miserable the rest of your life if you don't get to the cause of the problem. drjoesposito.com. So... I want to talk more about digestion. Your stomach's job, and I just talked about this with a, with a student the other day, and, and a bunch of medical doctors. I gave a, a lecture to a group of medical doctors, and I was talking about this, and they were blown away because they never looked at it like this before. Your stomach's job is to take proteins and break them into amino acids. So the amino acid tryptophan becomes serotonin in your brain, which helps you focus. Tyrosine becomes dopamine, which gives you pleasure. Glutamine becomes GABA, which suppresses your pain and other neurotransmitters. So when I see people with shaking, I see people with neurological disorders, I always check their digestive system because they're not breaking down their proteins properly to produce the amino acids, which can be affecting the brain. So let's assume I eat something. I eat a steak, which I wouldn't do, or a, a bowl of beans. If my stomach isn't breaking down the proteins properly, these big chunks of protein can get into my small intestine and get absorbed. My immune system starts attacking these big proteins, causing an allergic reaction. So if I can fix my stomach so I break down the foods more efficiently, I don't have the allergic reaction because I'm breaking the proteins into amino acids. If I have the allergic reactions, I'm going to release histamine, which causes inflammation, but I'm also going to release endorphins into my body and I'm getting high from it. So a lot of times when people have food allergies or food addictions, which is what we're talking about today, they're releasing these chemicals that they're getting high from and it goes back to the stomach not doing its job. Now, as we get older, our stomach acid levels drop dramatically. So as we get older, we got to eat easier to digest foods. We can't live on pizza like we used to. Right? You were in college, you had a couple of slices of pizza, some pepperoni, maybe a few beers, and then you go study for your test. Can't do that anymore. You're getting old, folks. So we may have to increase your stomach acid, and we can do that with things like supplements, there are certain supplements can give you hydrochloric acid, betaine hydrochloride, pepsin, pepsinogen. We can try raw organic apple cider vinegar, maybe a tablespoon or two of that to stimulate your digestive enzymes. But most commonly, the stomach is spasmed and pushing up into your diaphragm. And we have to gently massage or adjust or pull the stomach down away from the diaphragm so that it relaxes and it starts digesting your food properly. So easy to digest proteins are going to be a lot better for you if you're having digestive problems. What is an easy to digest protein? How about plant proteins? Beans, peas, nuts, seeds. Now those are concentrated proteins. How about lettuce? How about broccoli? How about carrots? These all have protein in them, folks, but easy to digest. And most people get too much protein. 
your body only needs about 8 to 10% of its total intake as protein. Anything beyond that has to be broken down in the liver and then passed out through the kidneys. And that can cause some real serious strain on the kidneys and the liver. Another reason not to eat hard-to-digest proteins, like animal proteins. And then if you cook the animal protein, it's even tougher sometimes, like pasteurizing milk. We bind some of the proteins together. We'll bind casein to calcium. You need an enzyme called renin to break down the casein to free up the calcium. Well, most people, all adults, don't produce renin. So you can't break down the casein. You know where renin comes from? If you ever eat cheese, they have to break the cheese down, break the, the, the dairy down to make the cheese. They use something called rennet, R-E-N-N-E-T-T. One source of rennet is baby cow stomach. They scrape the baby cow stomach after they kill it and to get the rennet out, rennet out to add to the cheese. So some people say, I'm a vegetarian. I just eat cheese. You may be eating cow stomach for the rennet because that's the enzyme that breaks down the casein, which we don't produce as humans. Pretty cool. Now, we do produce renin as an infant, but that's designed to break down mother's milk, not cow's milk. And so when you put these foods in, it causes the reaction, releases the endorphins, you start getting high, there's your food addiction. And then many times you can't stop yourself and we get fat. I can say the F word, I used to be fat. Obesity in adults has increased 60% in the past 20 years, and obesity in children has tripled in the past 30 years. This is according to the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. Cravings are one of the major reasons why, our, why we're increasing our obesity, and we struggle with these food addictions every day. And the scale just keeps creeping up and creeping up because you're getting high from it, and you don't make logical decisions when you're getting stoned. Overeating junk foods is as addictive as cocaine or nicotine, but shockingly, little or no treatment is ever given. If I'm a cocaine addict and I kick my habit and I'm in Hollywood, they give me awards. They put me on stage. Oh my gosh, Joe was a heroin addict and he kicked his heroin addiction. He's amazing. Let's praise him for beating the drugs, beating the alcohol. Nobody talks about beating the sugar addiction. Nobody talks about eat, breaking the junk food addiction because it's everywhere. Everybody does it, so it's not that big a deal, right? It is a big deal. So if you struggle with food addictions, you don't receive the same level of support as people that smoke cigarettes, that do drugs. And there's a new study published in Nature Neuroscience that found the two are essentially the same. And that's exactly what I've been talking about for the past hour. Study researchers divided rats into three groups. One ate a healthy diet, one ate a healthy diet with access to junk food, and one just ate junk food. As you might suspect, the rats in the third group nibbled on junk food all day, quickly became obese. Further research found that overeating high-calorie foods triggered addiction-like responses in the rat's brain and turned the rats into compulsive eaters. So the more junk food you eat, the more junk food you eat. Overweight rats had a decreased level of dopamine receptors in their brains. So the receptors that dopamine is absorbed in, dopamine is a neurotransmitter in your brain that gives you pleasure, drop. So what do you have to do? You have to take more things that stimulate the dopamine receptor sites, which is what? Sugars, alcohol, drugs. So your brain changes when you do these bad things. We're seeing this in animals, very similar to what we see in humans that indulge. And it seemed that it was okay, for what we can tell, to enjoy snack foods. But if you're repeatedly overindulging, you need to stop. Rats, uh, experts say that eating becomes the problem when you no longer distinguish, here's the key, between eating because you're hungry and stopping when you're full. 
How many people do that? A lot of people. You just eat. Oh, it's dinner time. I have to eat. It's breakfast. I have to eat. Here's my takeaway for you. I want you to have conscious eating habits. Am I hungry? Yes, then eat. Am I hungry, but it's lunchtime? Don't eat. Skip a meal. You can skip meals. It's called intermittent fasting. It's actually very good for you. Now, if you start getting shaky or you know start getting blurred vision or you start getting dizzy, yeah, you probably need to eat a little something. But here's my trick. Eat a little bit of food. Stop. Wait 20 minutes. See if you're still hungry. Chances are you won't be. And so if you have a snack before your meals, you're going to eat a lot less food and it's going to help reboot the brain because the brain has a, 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 a characteristic called plasticity. You can reshape the damage that you did to the brain and then you kick your addictions. So food addictions are really serious and in many cases deadly and you don't even realize it. And they're expensive. You eat a lot less food, you're going to save a whole lot of money. So I want you to be healthy. I want to get a normally functioning nervous system, normally functioning digestive system and good nutrition. Chances are you do well. The step one for nutrition, get Dr. Joe's Super Greens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. They're on my website, drjoesposito.com or Google Dr. Joe. Once you start taking it and giving your body the nutrients that it needs, many times those addictions quiet down and many times go away. So go to my website, at least do it for a month. I think you'll be very happy with it. It's about just about $2 a day for the Super Greens and the Essential Source. Also available on Amazon. If you want to make an appointment to come see us, drjoesposito.com. You can do it online. You can give us a call. We accept people with all insurances, no insurances, car accidents, sports injuries, workers' comp. Attorneys send us patients all the time, insurance companies, because they realize that it's, it's, in many cases, the most effective, least expensive way to get well. Fix the nervous system, fix the digestive system, get a good diet. Again, the website for all the information you need, drjoesposito.com, or just Google Dr. Joe with the number one Dr. Joe in the world. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. Tell your friends about the show. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on WSBRadio.com and on a WSB Radio app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.